Welcome back to the Coaching Culture Podcast. I'm JP Nurman, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Nate Sanderson. We're all about helping you to become better leaders on this podcast. I'm Moran43, uh, recently left us a review on iTunes saying this about the podcast. Great content. I love this podcast. As a first-year head coach, the content here is so, that's S-O-O-O-O, valuable. Uh, every episode has something that I can apply right away, and the hosts and guests inspire me to keep trying to do and be better for my players. Love that. Thanks to imoran43, whoever you are. Send me an email. I'll send you some coupons for some free online courses and a couple of books. If you haven't left us a review yet, please do. You can also head on over to tocculture.com to learn more about our mentorship and coaching program for coaches, online courses, and subscribe to our weekly newsletter, which gives you weekly insights and the notes to each week's podcast. Enough of that. Let's get right into it. Well, JP, it's that time of year when the coaching carousel is spinning continuously here as coaches get in and out of jobs. They take new positions. Some move their families across the country. The other decide to stay at home and give it another season. And you know, it's a conversation that you and I have had with a number of coaches here between March and May in particular, and one we've never really talked about on the podcast. And so we thought, what a great opportunity here to talk a little bit about how to think about job opportunities. And I think one of the things that is challenging about this whole topic is that bigger is not always better, but sometimes it is. The grass isn't always greener on the other side, but sometimes it is. And sometimes it's better to stay and people are happy and sometimes people stay and they become miserable, right? And so what we want to kind of kick around this week is how do you think about job opportunities, whether we should stay, whether we should go, whether should become a head coach, stay an assistant coach, whatever the opportunity might be. I want to give you a, a few nuts and bolts of just how to think through various coaching opportunities that might come your way. Yeah, and I think this conversation uh, really starts with where I really encourage coaches to reflect on when they're considering a new job opportunity. And that's why do I want to leave? Right. I think, like you mentioned, there's the grass is greener type thing. There's the circumstances would be better potentially at this other school or at this other level. I wouldn't have to worry about my budget. I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, I'd have more people to do all the recruiting or the, you know, the day to day day tasks. Um, or maybe, um, it's not so much about the grass is greener, but there's this like ambition to be at a level, a high level of, of certain notoriety, you know, to get to the division one level, to get to the power five conferences, uh, to get to, you know, you know, a five, a six, a, you know, big time high school, um, or wherever it is. But, and I think we really need to explore that, that why, why am I, why is this, you know, new opportunity of interest to me? What's potentially pulling me in that direction, and I, and I think uh, sometimes you know I I know that many coaches would have somewhat of an altruistic or a, a you know a a purposeful intention to be at a better opportunity, um, a higher level, and that's around like influence. Like they want to you know use they understand that the power and the platform that we have as coaches, and they want to impact more lives. They want to you know, be potentially like a beacon of transformational leadership or coaching. And, and I, I get that. I think that's great. But I come back to uh, what Greg Tonegal from Indiana Wesley University said to us in the podcast over two years ago, 
about why he stayed at the level that he's been at and hasn't moved into head coaching roles at higher levels in the, in the collegiate level in America. And that was because he was more focused on the depth of his influence and the width of his influence. But, you know, that's always stuck with me. But it doesn't mean that, you know, moving up to a higher level is necessarily a bad thing. But I just want coaches to first step back and reflect and really under, and identify the why. Like, why am I interested in this new opportunity? Why do I potentially want to leave the current situation that I'm in? I chuckle a little bit, JP, as you read your list there, because I've never really felt like I had ambition to coach at a higher level or to have better facilities or be in a place where there's more athletes. Like that just was never really on, on my radar until basically my life. The last five years has been living that decision one year after another. And that started um, when I left Springville after winning a couple state titles. And I think that this is the thing that's, that's also important here when we start getting into our conversation is context does matter. And there is a difference between being a hot coaching candidate that people are coming to you and they're reaching out to you because they're interested in filling a job with you. You don't even apply and you're getting emails from you know, athletic directors from across the state. I've been there before. That's a little bit different than being in a place where you're content and you're happy, but maybe there are some other opportunities in the area that intrigue you. And that's different from, as you said in the opener, being fired and feeling a little bit more desperate You know, in terms of maybe I don't have the best resume right now. Maybe I'm obviously not content in my job because I don't have one anymore. And so there's a desperation that feels a little bit differently, even in that situation. And as I said, I've been in all three of those places here in the last five years. And so when I look back at those last five years, in 2016, I decided to stay where I was. In 2017, I decided to leave and go to a bigger school. In 2020, I got fired from that position. And then that spring, decided not to take a head job that would have required us relocating to another area, became an assistant coach. And then the following year, thought I was pretty content doing that and had another opportunity come up that turned out to be a great fit at Mount Vernon. And hopefully this is a place that we can live happily ever after for a long time. But I feel like I've been in this place persistently over the last four or five years trying to figure out what is the next step. You know, I think what's unique about your journey, besides the fact that you've moved a lot of places in like the last five years, but I actually, I think you're probably from my assessment of, of knowing you is that you're probably a little bit more present than the average coach. Um, I think a lot of times people tend to, um, from my experience, I know my own, my own personal reflection is that, you know, you're looking, you're often looking for the next thing. And that's a kind of a trending um, way of thinking or mindset in coaching, you know, is when you get into it, it's like, everyone's almost expected. If you want to be a good coach, that means you want to climb this ladder, right? And some might claim that you don't, you don't have ambition. I just think your ambition is probably something a little bit different um, than just this ambition to climb the ladder. Um, I, I recently had a coach who was, you know, he was a hot, he's a hot coach. Like he is, everyone wants this guy. I mean, he was probably 10 offers in the span of a month. And it was interesting walking that journey with him because we were reflecting just the other day on this of, you know, right now, is it, does it just feel really, really good to be wanted because you don't feel appreciated, right? You know, at the moment in your current situation, um, or do you really feel called? Do you really feel compelled to move on? You know, like, cause I think it, it was really wrestling with that. And that's a really hard, hard thing to, to, uh, to recognize is probably at the end of the day, a little bit of both. You know, the current situation, not feeling appreciated. Also, there's 10 schools that 
you know, are offering you jobs and they're, you know, and that process itself is very flattering. You know, they're, they're, they're laying it on thick about how amazing they think you are as they want you to go lead their program. And that only lasts, you know, so long, you know, um, you take the job, you get there and then you get to work and, you know, before you know it, you lose a few games and maybe the criticism comes, but, uh, you know, it's just kind of difficult to discern because there is that for people that are being pursued by other, other schools or other opportunities, uh, that can muddle some of our thinking, I think at times. Now, Nate, you've been moving fast on that coaching carousel the last five years. And I'm sure that with that, you know, maybe there's some mistakes you've made along the way. Maybe there's been some good decisions uh, from your perspective. But if you could go back and and give yourself some advice, you know, five years ago, you know, what would some of those things be? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that I wish I knew when I first started kind of discerning through some of this process that I just learned from experience, I guess, you know, and didn't really maybe ask the right questions in the first couple of times that I went through the decision-making process. And the place that I would start with that is, and you alluded to this a little bit earlier, is just being able to reflect on why you have a greater openness to change or to moving um, maybe than you did at the beginning when you're at the job that you're at. And what I mean by that is, you know, you take a job and if things go well and they're happy with you and you're happy with them, that there can be a contentment that settles in. But sometimes that changes after five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years. And so what changes, right? What, what can lead to discontent or just a questioning of like, is there something else? Do I want to do this my whole career? And I think sometimes there can be a trap there. Um, you mentioned before, like when you've been in a place a long time, even if you've been successful, it can feel like you're not appreciated maybe for all the things that you do or that you have done, especially when, as you mentioned, somebody comes in with a phone call or an email that says you're the, the greatest thing since sliced bread and there's nothing better for their program than for you to come and lead it. And you haven't earned anything like that in years, right? Like at, at your current job. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not appreciated. And that's something that I learned when I left from Springville is there was part of me that just wondered, does it even matter that I'm here anymore? Do people still, you know, appreciate all the stuff that we do? And then when I left, it was like, wow, you know, like we did realize the impact when we left, like people really did care, you know, it just wasn't verbalized. It wasn't reinforced. So that was something that I didn't really recognize at the time. I think there's a couple other things that can cause people to be open to looking around. I think one you hear a lot is a new challenge. And I think there's legitimacy to that, right? You're in the same place, five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years, you learn the league, you get your system in place, like the, the building, so to speak, is done. And now there's a lot of maintaining a program. And some coaches like, that's great. We put it in cruise control and we just enjoy year after year. And others like, all right, well, I'm a builder, you know, I like rebuilding things. I like starting from scratch. I don't really have the opportunity to do that here. I'd like to do it again. That opens the door, right? To thinking about another opportunity. And the last one here that I think is, is legitimate in a lot of ways is that relationships change. You know, when you're in a place for seven or eight, 10 years, and you go through a couple assistant coaches and you have a change in administration and maybe a class that you've been with since they were in sixth and seventh grade and now all of a sudden they graduate. Like those relationships, this is the nature of education and coaching. Like people move on and new people come in. And so you're four, four five, six, you might have had the best staff, the closest staff, and then they kind of move on to other things. And, and you wouldn't put this on your assistants and say, I can't stand working with you guys. I'm out of here. 
But at the same time, it it doesn't necessarily feel the same when those seats change around you. Um, and that could be a, a legitimate reason to think about a new challenge somewhere else, building new relationships and starting over. So I think just reflecting on what is my appetite for change and why is a really good place to start. Nate, it's funny you talk about people that would be seeking more challenges in coaching. I think the the coaches I talk to find it really challenging wherever they are. But at the same time, yes, you're right. Like we we do have this appetite, I think, for um, more challenges, more unique challenges. And there's many people that like to see themselves as builders, like you said. One thing that really resonated with me that you shared earlier, though, is just this idea that you know we don't necessarily recognize how much people do appreciate us. And, and I remember in both places that I left after having been for five years, a long time, one in Ireland, uh, the basketball club I was with, and then even at Notre Dame, you know, after five years there, I didn't expect people to be so upset at my leaving, you know, like I was kind of like, oh yeah, you know, like we're just kind of get used to you, you know, and, and then also you tell people are leaving. And, you know, I remember even just telling my players in Ireland and a couple of guys ran out of the room crying and didn't want to talk to me for a week until they really like came to grips with it, you know, and it was, um, caused me to maybe like question like, God, did I really make the right decision here? And I think other coaches have had that experience. You know, there's always going to be, when you move on, there's always going to be pain for certain people because you're kind of breaking up with them is at least what it feels like for them, I think. And that can sometimes, if we have an awareness of how hard it will be for them, I think it'll make it even harder for us to maybe make a move that might be the right move. Um, or if we do make the move, we start to have second thoughts coming in like, oh, was this the right decision and stuff? So uh, very, very challenging for sure. Another question, JP, I wish I would have dug into a little bit more, particularly when I left Springville, was just understanding a little bit more about the school that I was potentially going to move into. In other words, I didn't do a lot of homework on the destination when I first chose to leave. And on the surface, you know, you might think, okay, well, why is this job open? That's a great place to start. And most of the time you're following a coach that has retired or they've moved on or they you know stepped away from the game whatever it might be and sometimes you're going to fi- follow somebody that was fired or that was pushed out but really trying to understand the culture that you're stepping into where the program is at asking a lot of questions talking to a lot of people because in contrast with what we talked about in the opener here the coaches typically look to move up or to make more money or to have more influence or be at a bigger school those things are fun but not necessarily going to be satisfying over the long term if you don't have great fit. If your philosophy doesn't fit with the philosophy of the administration or if your goals don't fit with the goals of the, the parents or the players in the program, like things can be difficult. And those are hard things to discern when you're going into or you're investigating about a job. So what did that look like differently for me at Mount Vernon than Lindmar? Well, when I took the job at Linmar, like I had reached out to a couple of coaches in the league just with an email, what do you think about this job? But at the time I was trying to be a little bit discreet too, because that can be a challenge when you have a job. You don't necessarily want it to get out that you're having conversations with other schools because that can be a little bit difficult to navigate too. And so I just didn't ask a lot of questions. I didn't talk to anybody that coached at the school or had previously been there. I just didn't know what I didn't know, if that makes sense. Now you fast forward three years later and the opportunity in Mount Vernon comes along. And I mean, I talked to everybody that I, 
knew that was in some way connected to or connected to somebody that was at Mount Vernon, people that had coached there, people that had played there, people that had kids there. I talked to my veterinarian who lived in the community. You know, anybody that I could find that had any kind of ties in the media, in my social circles, in the coaching world to Mount Vernon or the league, I tried to talk to and compare notes on their perspective on the job. Because what I was looking for most, which I didn't do necessarily previously, was trying to find if knowing who I am and trying to learn who they are, if this is really going to be a great fit and a great marriage, besides the fact that, yes, it was going to be a head job in a good league with you know good facilities and good athletes. And there's a lot of boxes that were checked from a basketball perspective. But I think I learned in my previous experience that that's not always enough. And that's what I was trying to figure out a little bit more of the background to in this particular situation. Yeah. And I, I think back to my own experience uh, years ago and um, when I moved to Tennessee, I think it was my ego, which was a big problem, but I never even thought to think of even potentially contacting the former coach and saying, Hey, why did you leave? Or if they weren't successful, well, you know, why weren't you successful? Like learning, like, I think there's so much in this process that, that of learning that, that serves, you know, benefits in many areas, not just to figure out, um, should you leave? Uh, but to, you know, what am I going to need to do to be successful if I go there? And one of the things I, I love about your preparation for, for Mount Vernon was, I, I think some of those times people ask those questions, you know, they're like, they're doing, they're fishing around because they want to know all the information that might be helpful for them to get the job. But you weren't just asking questions to figure out, all right, what do I need to know if I want to land this interview? Like, you know, like interview prep. You were also preparing so that you could interview them. And you were also asking questions to figure, are they right for me? You know, and that's one of the biggest, you know, things I encourage coaches on in the interview process is to not go into this with just like a, I've got to go prove myself, right? Like I've got to go and put on this frontier. So like go to the interview and ask great questions. Is this the right opportunity for me? And I think um, doing some of the research before you go into the, that, that interview can be helpful, but also knowing the right questions to ask once you're in there can also be uh, extremely beneficial. Well, JP, as you were sharing there, it reminded me of uh, something that I'm reading in a book by Annie Duke right now called Thinking in Bets. And She's talking about decision-making, and one of the things that she identifies when it comes to the variables that affect our ability to be successful, in this case, taking another job, is she encourages people to write down what is the information that you don't know that's going to have an impact on whether or not you can be successful in that position. So uh, just one example, administration. If you have supportive administration, you have a better chance of being successful. But what she identifies in the book is there are things sometimes that will be on that list that you're not going to be able to figure out going into an interview or before you take a job. Like if the athletic director says, look, we love transformational coaching. We love what you're about. But in reality, if you don't win so many games, we're going to move on. You know, like they may not tell you that in the recruiting pitch, right? <laughs> if they're trying to sell you on their school, is that going to matter? Yeah, it's definitely going to matter down the line, but you just may not be able to get a clean read on that. And you have to have a certain level of comfort knowing this is a variable that is unknown, that is going to affect my ability to be successful. Am I comfortable with walking into that situation and learning as I go or not, given what I know about my current job? 
And I think sometimes, JP, this can be particularly difficult for those of us that come from a perspective of transformational coaching, where, you know, at the core of who I am, I want to use the game of basketball to impact the lives of my players. And on the surface, everybody's going to say, oh, yes, that's exactly what we want here, too. But when the rubber meets the road, JP, this is something that I learned is that there are people out there that don't give a shit about transformational coaching. <laughs> when push comes to shove, it's winning and losing or it's my kid playing. And those things are more important than the impact that the sport is having on people. That was news to me. And personally, I, I don't think that for myself, that is an essential criteria um, for a job, right? So I think, you know, people listen to this podcast. If you know that transformational coaching is not the most valued thing by the organization that's trying to hire you, that's, I, don't, I don't think that's a deal breaker for every coach, right? I, I think we can still operate within those. But I think it's great to know that, right? <laughs> I think it's great to know that. And I think, like you said, there's some questions that you can be asking before that you take this job. Why was the previous coach fired or asked to leave or whatever? You can start to look in there. But I've even uh, encouraged coaches and in myself, I've asked um, some difficult questions of interviewers, you know, like, well, what are some reasons outside of like legal ones that you would let me go, you know, fire me, you know, like, what are your expectations as far as wins and losses uh, for your coaches um, within the program here? So I think there's questions we can ask beforehand, even in the interview uh, to get pretty good transparency around the expectations for you when you take that job. Because I think as long as we, like you said, know those expectations, it's a little bit easier for us to operate uh, in that world. Now, here's another thing, JP, that I just didn't understand the first couple of times that I went through this. And, and, and that, that's this, like if you're leaving problems at your school where you're at, you're going to leave those behind. And then you're going to be introduced to a whole new set of problems that you don't necessarily have a history or an appreciation or an understanding of until you're in that position. What I didn't get was like, we had great things going at Springville with great culture. We had great offensive and defensive systems. Our offseason plan fit, you know, that community and those athletes. Like we, we really had found the sweet spot in terms of what we were doing there. And I just thought, oh, we'll just take the plan and we'll implement it at 5A and Lindmar with twice as many athletes and a bigger coaching staff and a more vocal parent community and an AAU subculture that's going to impact the way that kids see the game, which I didn't have AAU players when I was at Springville. And I just didn't understand how different the context was going to be. I think our values and principles were still important, but how they manifest themselves was going to have to be different. I didn't understand that. Again, I didn't ask enough questions, right? To learn about the level or to learn about the league and be able to, to get an idea of just how the puzzle was going to be different. And I think when now, being at Mount Vernon, it's a very different situation than both Linmar and Springville, but for lots of different reasons. Well, what you're talking about right there, Nate, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that I, I, I appreciate um, the coaches that allow me to support them the last five, six years here is because I've now been able to see all these variety of contexts. And so you're on, you, I, have a, I feel like I have a greater understanding of how certain strategies or principles need to be adapted to the level that they're at, you know, and to the different contexts. And just to be clear, I'm not talking about just a difference in context of from like, you know, 1A school to 5A school or division three to division one, or, you know, like those are obvious, but even just, you know, rural 
one a school versus you know a smaller inner city school like i mean just you know a private school to a public school i mean there's just different circumstances different contexts and we have to be able to adapt you know the principles and strategies will stay fairly consistent but the application of those changes and and one of the other things i think is important to mention here that i really struggled with was the relationships especially if the current place that you're at you've built up like a lot of credibility um and respect and quality deep meaningful relationships when you move on to the next job you're going back to zero right and that's really really hard i think for me because a the things that you could potentially do or try or you know or implement you know with your team are probably not going to all work right the way that you discipline the way that you maybe even run team meetings like they've had a totally different experience right and you can get away with making mistakes or like once you've got that credibility relationship like you can get away with discipline maybe being a little bit tougher on people and challenging them but you've got to when you start a new program you've got to start with relationships you got to build those from scratch that's a process that takes a lot of time um so not only you know will the stuff that you were doing in the former team not work as effectively in that situation but it's also like it's just i mean it's 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 tough work right and you're going to miss you're going to miss that place where you walked in to a gym and you just there was instant connection you know and all of a sudden you're going back in there you're like the new kid at school like it's it's difficult to step into that so just another thing to consider when if if you are looking at new opportunities i think the issue of relationships jp is is maybe for many of us the number one factor when it comes to your job satisfaction or finding contentment you know we can go through a challenging situation or some tough seasons if the relationships are there right whether it's with administration or your coaches your players and when i talked to tj rosine just as an example you know during this process for me and asked him why have you never left emmanuel he's had all kinds of opportunities to move up or move on and he comes back to at the end of the day I love the people that I work with. And when I think about the unknown about, I could have an administrator that understands my schedule and needs and family and the way I want to coach as well as my current AD, but I'm not sure about that, you know, or I'm going to have to inherit a staff, but I love the guys that I work with here, or when to recruit a different kind of athlete or whatever it might be, like there's that constant contrast between what I know in my relationships and I love the people I'm with. And for him, that that's the most important thing and has kept him from taking the leap, you know, into a different situation. But let me give you the counter argument to that, because another friend of the pod that I talked to during this process was Boomer Roberts, you know, and Boomer, when he left and took the job at Trinity International, left a great situation out at Vanguard in California, perennial final fours, you know, all, all that type of stuff. And he told me, because I said, look, when I left Springville, you know, we had a junior class that I've been with since they were in fourth grade, kids that I love and, you know, still talk to a lot today. Do, do I want to leave those guys? You know, and Boomer said, Nate, if you've done it right, there's never a good time to leave. I was like, what do you mean by that? He's like, well, look, if those kids graduate, it's not like you don't love the next class. You know, you've been with them just as long, like if you do it right and you have those great relationships around you, there's never going to be a good time where you're like, oh, there's only a-holes coming up. I guess now is the right time for me to leave. You know, you do it right. And I thought in a lot of ways that set me free a little bit to be more open to the idea of being called somewhere else because it's right. There isn't ever going to be a group of kids that come up and I say, 
well, I don't love these guys or I don't necessarily want to work with these guys. And I think the other thing, JP, I would say in my experience here after being at North Lynn for a year and now being in Mount Vernon is there is some excitement to building those new relationships as well, you know, and thinking about it, on the one hand, you're exactly right. It's hard. You start from zero. I and mean, I think about, you know, we just went past my one year anniversary of taking the job at Mount Vernon and where our relationships are now compared to just meeting those kids a year ago is night and day. And it was hard and it was, it was uncomfortable at times, you know, given the way that we want to coach. But now it's incredibly satisfying, you know, thinking about where we're at going into year two. So I don't want that to just to be a discouragement of, you know, where you're at. Don't ever leave those relationships because there can be good on the other side. But again, it comes back to this idea of eyes wide open, right? And understanding it's not going to be easy to start over again. Yeah, I love that. And I think um, one of the things that I, I would encourage coaches to do if you're, if you're facing some sort of decision here is I think the traditional things, the pros and cons list, right? Like, Oh, what's the pros here? What's the cons? I actually encourage coaches to make, um, two lists. Uh, one is what do I need to be successful in this job? And what do I need to do to be successful in the next job and really kind of outline the process that success as far as potentially wins and losses, that's success as well as impact and influence that you want to have, but to really, you know, list those things out. Um, and you know, as be as detailed as you possibly can, largely from like the day to day, you know, like what will my life look like, you know, as I pursue success here and what would it look like over here? And, and what I think you get at the end of the day, there is a bit, a bit clearer picture of what your life might look like in that, in that context. And when you do that, I think you, you, you have clarity. Um, and I was challenged recently enough by Jerry Lynch, friend of the podcast as well. And uh, he challenged me. He said, JP, you know, you've built your life around your work, not your work around your life. And that's always uh, stuck with me. And I think so often we get so caught up in this chasing, you know, different things in coaching, the climbing the ladder, um, that we lose sight of the life that, you know, we really want for ourselves and for our family. And so when you look at, Okay, do I want to, you know, pursue this bigger opportunity, this this high level, you know, program, whatever it is? Well, okay, yeah, you could be successful. You might have the capabilities, you might have the potential, you might be have the talent as a coach, whatever. But is that really that road to success? Is that really the the life you want for yourself and for your family? And I think it's so profound that you know Jay Wright, the head coach of Villanova, stepped back, uh, stepped down from his job. And I think uh, it's, you know, based upon some comments that have come out is that, you know, his life, he kind of just kind of lost control of it. Everything had been about the job and that he was just ready, uh, ready to step away. And I think that that's really, really profound. And I think if more coaches did this activity of, of comparing, you know, what do I need to do to be successful here or in another opportunity? I think we'd see actually more coaches, you know, maybe step down into a maybe down a division, down a level, because they're just like, you'd actually start to create more space in your life um, as you pursued, you know, success, you know, and I'm not, not trying to discourage people anyway there, but I just think it's a good reflection activity. After going through this four or five times now in the past few years, I want to kind of leave us with the three most important questions I wish I would have had the first time that I went through this process. So question number one is, what do I enjoy most about coaching? 
when I got fired and I had the opportunity to become a volunteer assistant or maybe to pursue some head positions, which would require relocating our family, blah, blah, blah. The question really became, I had to understand what I enjoyed most about coaching to figure out if, for lack of a better way to say it, if I could be an assistant coach and work for somebody else. And so through the process of kind of discerning that, what I landed on for me was the most important thing is the relationships that I build with athletes. And I can do that as an assistant coach, but, but I needed to wrestle with that for, for a while to figure out what do I enjoy most? What gives me the most fulfillment in coaching? The second question that is, I think, critically important when it comes to staying or going is understanding, just being real honest with yourself, with your family, what am I chasing and why? It's not wrong to chase better facilities and better athletes and a better league and more money or a higher level job. None of those things are, are, are evil in and of themselves. But why? You know, there are some coaches that say, look, I want to climb the ladder so we can be financially stable. My wife can stay home or she had the freedom to do whatever. That's totally legitimate. And that's understanding your why. But I think too often we can chase shiny objects. We can see somebody else in a different situation and say, oh, I wish that was me without really understanding why. Why is it that I'm looking to leave? Why is it that I'm chasing this thing? That's an important question. And the last one, JP, and, and I know this maybe isn't for everybody here, but I remember talking to you know, TJ again, asking him, you know, why didn't you ever leave a manual? And I think at the end of the day, whether it's pros and cons or a success list or what am I chasing, for a certain number of coaches out there, if your faith is part of the equation, one of the things that was really important to me was getting to a place where I would be willing to say, I can stay, I'm willing to stay, and I'm willing to go. I just want to know which one I'm supposed to do. And that may seem like semantics, but I think a lot of times when we feel like we're trying to leave a job, we lean a little more heavier to, I want to find another place to go without necessarily wrestling with, is that the right thing for me? And sometimes we get so anchored in a place for whatever reason that we miss opportunities that maybe doors are opening for us for a reason, but we aren't open to it because we're not willing to do either one. And so when it's come to finding peace and finding discernment for us, that's really where we try to land is a place where I'm willing to stay, I'm willing to go. And then my prayer is just make it obvious which one we're supposed to do. All right, that's it for this week. Next week, we've got Daniel Coyle, the New York Times bestselling author of The Talent and Culture Code. Uh, episode 53 and 54, we actually discussed this book. Um, that's years ago. Well, now he's coming on this pod. And I, I know he's been on some other podcasts recently to promote his new book, uh, The Culture Playbook. But I think we've got a really, really special, interesting uh, episode with Coyle. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss it. Thanks again for listening in.